At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Tonight on Fast, stocks are getting swept up in the crypto craze. Check out shares of this brand new IPO, Longfin. It purchased a blockchain company, and the stock is going parabolic. Can we tell you more about the company? You might have your own questions. It's so controversial. We invited the CEO on, and he said yes. The chairman and CEO of Longfin will join us in just a few moments right here on set for an exclusive interview. It'll be a no-holds-bar heated event you will not want to miss. Plus, our own crypto legend Brian Kelly just bought a new cryptocurrency coin. He will reveal what it is and why he jumped in later this hour. But first, we start off with what could be the best Christmas ever. All three major indices hitting a record high. The Dow rapidly approaching 25K, closing at a record for the 70th time this year, the most ever in a single calendar year since 1995. And the Nasdaq joining the party, crossing that key 7,000 level for the first time ever. All this stemming from tax cut euphoria, which if you look at the moves in the last week, clearly wasn't priced into the market. So with tax cuts ahead, are stocks still cheap? And just how high can the market go, Guy? I think they are. Well, cheap is a tough term. I wouldn't say they're necessarily cheap. In this low interest rate environment, they're probably uh, on the margins cheap. But I think what's happening now is you've got seasonality working for the market. The December's typically a month where things just ratchet higher, which is what you're seeing. Tax cuts priced in, not priced in. We've said for quite some time that something is going to happen before Christmas. The president has said he wants to give the American citizens a big, fat Christmas present in the form of tax cuts. You're going to get it. So what can you still buy is really the question. Well, BK talked about Goldman Sachs breaking up above that all-time high of 255. If you just talk about price to book, which I think is the correct metric for banks, I think 1.8 times price to book is legit in this environment. Goldman just told you on October 17th, under third quarter, 190 is their book value. 1.8 gets you to $340 stock. Not suggesting it happens tomorrow, but I think that's where names like GS are heading, and I still think a lot of these retail names that we have talked about ad infinitum still work as well. You have liked the banks for a very, very long time. Right. If you take a look at the fundamentals in the banks, they're operating in a better environment overall sure. with economic growth, right, and, and less regulation or yeah. a lighter regulatory touch. Right. In terms of the tax cuts, we knew they were coming down the pike. Were they not priced in at all? I would say that they weren't, and I've uh -huh. intended to say that for a very long period of time because of the fact that I think everybody was pl playing on the fundamentals, but the tax cuts, I think, other than Guy, very few people thought, first of all, that it had happened this year. And if they thought they were going to happen, they might happen sometime in 2018. Well, it sure looks like, to your point, Guy, the Christmas present might come early, and that might be an absolutely beautiful thing. But I think they are steadily starting to build in, Mel. As we've gone through the earnings season and we've got some of the fundamental stories, there are places you can still buy. There are other places that I think are absolutely in the, in the stratosphere. But I think you look at financials, you look at technology, what was leading today? Financials and technology. Why? Because when you still look at valuations and you look at growth, they have both. 
and you look at the fundamental stories of both, you still look at, at stocks that actually are reasonably cheap for the most part. There are names that are not, but look at Intel today. Look at the scorching run on Intel today. Still very inexpensive. They give a great dividend. They buy back stock. They do all the things you'd like to see, and they've got a growth segment as well. So why do you think, I mean, with the S&P at, at record highs, Dow at record highs, mm -hmm. NASDAQ over 7,000, the Russell is still about nine points off of its high. Yeah, yeah, theoretically, that should be the place you want to be. The, well, that has been, may, perhaps that's the place that a lot of this has been priced in. So I would agree with Guy, and I would agree with Pete. I'd retweet both of them on their views. But I would look <laughs> at what's next, right? Let's add some content to this. What are we going to be arguing about in 2018? Infrastructure. So you look at some of the material stock. You look at stuff like John Deere or Cat Tractor, big company there, makes those big yellow tractors. Would love to drive those things. But other people actually use them for work, not just for fun like BK does. So I would look to those in 2018 because that's what everybody's going to be talking about. Well, you know, back to your Russell 2000, the IWM mm -hmm. in particular, we talked about this last week on the desk. I mean, this is this in, this indice, this ETF was down in the year in August, and when when really tax reform started to kind of get on the calendar right. for 2017, it took off. Now. It's really, you know, up 14 percent of the year. It's massively underperformed the Nasdaq and the S&P 500. If you believe that these tax cuts are going to go through this year, and you think that they're going to start talking about infrastructure, like BK just said, they've outlined that they want to start talking about it in January. I would bet on the Russell over the S&P and the Nasdaq on a relative basis in 2018, just because. A, they've underperformed, but B, we also know that it should kind of hit them much quicker in a lot of ways. So to me, the Russell looks like a better bet into 2018 versus the S&P. And I would agree with that, but we, you, you did see a big move in the Russell in yeah. July into September. I mean, the IWM was pushing down towards 133. I would say within two and a half, three weeks, the thing was trading up to 150. Maybe that was the Russell pricing and the potential for this to happen. But in terms of a catch-up trade, you could potentially see that. And I want to give Dan kudos. By the way, Whoa. we get on him a lot, but you liked Intel months ago when any people other than Pete really were talking about no, it going probably lower, before so. Pete, but yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know if it was before. You, was you before. held on to the back of me. You were riding me the whole way, big you know. boy. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, guy. Well, it's true. Does anybody like the retail trade here? There was a really interesting note from Cowan today, uh, basically analyzing if you drop the tax rate down to 20, I think they did 20, mm. 4%, not even 21%. The Macy's price target goes up to 28 bucks from $23. So that's $5 on upside for the shares of Macy's if tax reform goes, goes through. I think it does help generally across retail. As a matter of fact, there was some unusual activity today in American Eagle Outfitters. And, and that's a stock that's made a pretty nice move from 14 up towards 18, 18 and a half today even, but in a short period of time. But I still think, Mel, you have to look at the fundamental story. So when you look at retailers in general, Macy's, I think a lot of that's a short squeeze. Some of it might be tax-related. But do they have great numbers? Do they truly give us the great numbers we want? I think Your home, answer is no. Right. And I, but I look to somebody like a Home Depot or some of the other names in the space, Which Costco. Which could also benefit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a name that's gone from 165 to 185 in a very short period of time. So when you look at what they do and what Costco's even doing, e-commerce, you look for growth. They're getting it there. And when you look at the valuations, they feel a little bit stretched, but they've got growth in the right spots. Yeah, you have to look at where people are spending their money. I mean, Macy's was down for a reason. There's a structural change going on in retail. So uh, to assume that the marginal dollar is going to be going to Macy's, I think, is probably wrong. I agree with Pete that I think this was a big, big short squeeze going into the end of the year. But you want to go to something like a Home Depot where people spent their money. A proven winner. Well, how about taking a look at retail like this? D does a lower tax rate give them an extra lifeline? 
yes. to survive. Maybe some extra power to survive promotion. Well, you know, here's the other thing, though. It, it, also, rates are going to be going higher. We know that in 2018. So they're going to. These guys have a lot of debt. A lot of these department store guys. So it's going to be more expensive to service that debt. So a lot of this stuff is going to uh, kind of cancel itself out. And listen, we also know that the, the, the effective tax rate for a lot of these companies is already in the mid 20s. So you may not see the sort of boost. I think that's why Cowan was using a 24 percent number without getting a little crazy. Uh, well, with a market of record highs, there is one industry group that's been on fire this year. Our next guest, Carter Worth, Chartmaster. A cornerstone macro says it is time to take profits now. Which groups, Carter? Well, what's interesting, of course, whenever there's market conversations, things like semis and, and FANG come up. But home builders are actually the best performing sub-industry in the entire market this year. And to my eye, they look a little steep, and I would want to harvest gains. Let's, uh, let's put it in context. What we know is there are 158 sub-industry groups in the S&P 500, and the number one performer is the not-so-much-talked-about home builders. Um, another way to look at it, here is a list of all ETFs on the next screen, meaning publicly traded U.S. domestic. There are about 45 of them, and the number one performer is the iShares ITB Home Construction Index. And uh, we've got a fairly unprecedented rate of ascent here. I think if you've got gains in this, you want to pull back. Uh, these are the five largest names, uh, names we know. What's important about this, there are only two stocks that are over 10 billion. Basically, home builders are a small area of the market. Most home building around the country is done privately. Uh, but this area has been bid up aggressively, and uh, to my eye, it's a little too steep. So here's a comparative chart, year to date. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves. You've got 20% for the SPY, and you've got 55% for home construction. Um, let's pull it back a little further. Here's a four or five year chart. Again, market, you got a double. Uh, so the question is, is this angle sustainable? I would say no. Um, moving on. Here is the, well, here's the ITB. How would you draw the lines? You could say it was once upon a time a head and shoulders bottom. If so, then you'd say that was the breakout juncture. But yeah, exactly. We broke out. The risk now is, is that we're so far above trend. In fact, to make that point, if you use moving averages to measure trend, um, this is one that's uh, popular, at least uh, by my work, the 100-day moving average. And I'm betting that you're going to have a check back to that line, which is to say some form of give back in this overdone area. All right. Now, still, it just shows how beaten up these are. These are... S&P 500, 400, 600, and the ITB. And look at the dates that they all peaked. That's the housing and REIT peak. And look how much they're still below. So let's say one believes that they're going to make the highs. That's fine. But I'll bet you the way higher, if there is higher, is going to pass through a lower price. I think this is way overdone. You want to harvest gains. All right. Talk about throwing coal on Christmas. Um, <laughs> come on over. Carter, oh, honey. that's not fair. That's a little bit of a... What? He's kind of grinchy today. He's just pointing, pointing <laughs> stuff out. Yeah, pointing stuff out. Grinch music. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting? Actually, the home builder sentiment came out today. Uh, and you saw that. And so there's the current sales gouge. And, and, and that is not gouge, although you might say the certain gauge. And it's at the 1999 high. And the future sales gauge is at the 05 high. 1999 was a market high, and 05 was the absolute peak of housing and REITs. Um, typically, sentiment gets ahead of itself. An angle like that, I think you trim. Um, 
overall, how do you stand, where do you stand on the markets? Well, there's, I mean, you could almost say there's nothing to say. Just close your eyes and keep doing it. But listen, we know this is not going to last. You know, everyone thinks this. Um, but technically, why do the markets look weak? They don't know. They don't look weak. They, they look too strong. They look I mean, too strong. There's nothing. Nothing can ascend at this rate without without having any checkbacks. And you could say, but it has. But it's not an annuity. It, it, the markets are acting as though there's no risk in equity investing. And everyone who's listening and everyone on this desk and everyone's ever done knows there's a ton of risk. In fact, that's why so many accounts close. That's why so many funds close. It's a very difficult proposition, and the market is acting as though it's not. So, so to, oh, I'm ahead. sorry, Matt, real quick. To that point, about uh, three and a half, four weeks ago, mortgage deduction was going to get cut. Home builders took maybe six hours off during the day, and they were off to the races. Does that suggest that... There is no bad news in this. There's really nothing that can derail well, right now. Well, that's just it. I mean, all the news that's coming out is not that good. If you look at all the stuff that's in the tax code, a lot of it's not that good for, uh, for, for housing and for, for the builders. Um, but the multiples are high. We know you're at peak sentiment or sentiment that has been at peak in the past. And just look at the angle of the line. I mean, if, you, if I were to ask you this morning, if you were to just close your eyes when you're getting out of bed and say, hey, what was the number one performing area of the market? I wouldn't have answered home builders, would you? Would any of you? No way. Well, that's, the, that's the number one performing area of the market. There it is. Do you chase that for more? I would say no. Last quick question. Pete here liked Home Depot. Is there any correlation between what you're seeing for home builders well, and Home Depot? Well, Home Depot's the heads you win, tails you win, right? They're not building them. So if they stop building them, the Home Depot gets all the renovation work. Uh, different animal. All right. Yeah. Great. Carter, good to see you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Carter Worth. Um, what'd you do today, Pete? You know, today I, I talked about American Eagle. I actually added some options in there, and I, got, I felt a little bit bad about having to sell some Freeport last week. Had a huge move. We were talking about the materials earlier. One of you guys was. I think that space is going that much higher. And, and with the fact that copper's been around three, above three for a while now, I think they're printing money. I like Freeport. I added to that as well. What did you do today, Dan? Uh, yeah, so on Friday's option action, I detailed the trade. One of the things I think is really interesting to set up this time of year, we know it's really seasonal. We'll get this push in the year end. But we might have a little pullback in January as people kind of maybe take some tax loss you know, sort of situations or take gains in the new year. For me, I actually sold shorter-dated calls in Intel and bought longer-dated ones playing for a breakout above those prior highs that we just saw last month above 48. That stock has moved quickly to that level. But to me, I think that sets up really well as a recent consolidation breakout later on. All right. Coming up, Twitter surging more than 10 percent to its highest level in more than a year on another upgrade. We will tell you why investors are suddenly flocking to this stock. Plus, the so-called crypto stock is going crazy, surging nearly 300 percent just today. It's up 1,000 percent since its IPO last week. What's the deal with this? Too good to be true? of what's become one of the most controversial companies on Wall Street in a matter of days joins us right here on set in a few moments in what promises to be a very interesting interview. And later, travel stocks are surging ahead of the holiday rush. Could this be your best chance to buy these high-flying names? We've got all the details. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Twitter surging 11% today to its highest level in more than a year. This after an upgrade from J.P. Morgan to a buy rating. And Wall Street still catching up to the surging stock. Its average analyst price target 
just 19 bucks, even though the stock is trading around $25 a share, and it's up more than 50% in 2017. So has Twitter finally gotten its groove back, and is it uh, heading to all-time highs, Pete? You know, they found some fundamentals for sure. I mean, the daily active users is one of the things, streaming and video and some of that mm. stuff, the global growth that they're getting out of that, 74%. It's just, uh, it's pretty impressive, quite frankly. You always wonder, is this part of a short squeeze? Is this part of any kind of a story when we see all this merger mania that we're seeing in the media space? Is this another one of those names? Because it's certainly been rumored to be, and we already know that somebody's kicked is the tires once or twice. Is it a of all the above? <laughs> I, I would say yes. And, and, and for those reasons, uh, I don't know that you own the stock. You own the, you own the calls in this, in this stock, quite frankly, and you see a lot of paper all the time. Yeah. yeah, at 25 bucks, you have a lot of resistance coming in on Twitter. It's been on a tremendous run. So I don't think you have to go out and buy it. But the other thing I can tell you, based purely on my Twitter feed, the more you talk about cryptocurrencies, the more uh, MAUs go but up on my Twitter feed. you think crypto is also helping Twitter? Listen, I I don't, it could be. I don't know. J.P. Morgan didn't mention anything about crypto. Well, that's chat. weird that J.P. Morgan wouldn't say anything about it. <laughs> Good point there. You want to that's say something? Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, one thing is, and I mentioned this a couple times over the course of the summer, as Snap was having a really hard time, and even as the stock was trading at the lows, the valuation, uh, the enterprise value of Snap was far greater that from that of Twitter. And Twitter had already been through a lot of these growing pains over the last few years. So to me, I think the comparative valuation and performance has had something to do with Twitter's recent performance is one of the reasons why people are playing catch up right now. now. Pete was actually talking about a lot of calls, a lot of uh, upside options. It's been right? very, yeah, very yeah. active, but I know Dan's got some stuff. Oh, yeah. Options so you got this thing right now. I mean, options volume exploded today. It was three times average daily volume, and calls were more than three times, uh, or excuse me, six times that of puts. And there was a couple opening trades. One of them particularly caught my eye. We like to look out a little bit. There was a buyer when the stock was trading about 24 bucks before news, a buyer of 2,600 of the uh, February 25 calls paying $1.61. Those break even at 26 61 on February expiration, up about 10% from the trading level. We have a chart here. You know, BK just mentioned where there might be some resistance. In my mind, there's a lot of resistance at 26 bucks. That's where that line starts on the left. That was the IPO price in November 2013. And we were talking about M&A last year or the potential for it when the stock was in the teens. In my head, that company and that board could not sell that that company for below 26 bucks. So to me, I think once so that's you... that's on the table. I, well, no, what I'm saying is psychologically, I don't think they could have brought a deal to their shareholders right, right. below that level. So as we get through it, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know who's interested, who needs what. Um, but to me, it seems like a very unique social problem. We've seen the fault line shift with all these media deals. We also saw uh, Lloyd Blankfein tweet from his Twitter account a picture of him and Jack Dorsey together. What does that smiling. tell you? What was, what was I don't Lloyd know. doing out there I don't know. Jack? All I know is that since <laughs> that picture was posted, Twitter shares have seen a little bit of a, a pop. More than a little bit of a pop. I mean, but we talk, We started talking about this over the summer. If you recall back in August, they reported a quarter. Stock got just obliterated, traded down to 15 and a half, 16. But magically, within a couple days, it started to rally again. And we talked about the potential. Maybe the worst is over. Maybe they have, in fact, turned the corner. It's been tough sledding until the last couple weeks. But I actually think this stock is, will continue to break out to the upside. It's not going, I don't think it's going back to the all-time high, which is probably 70 bucks or something-ish. But I do think you're going to get a 30 handle by sometime early next year. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Still ahead, Brian Kelly just bought a cryptocurrency, and it's not Bitcoin. Not Bitcoin. He tells what it is and why he's so excited. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. A new concept in air transportation. The travail has been taken out of travel. Flying doesn't look like that anymore, but the stocks are surging. And there's one name the traders can't wait to get on board with. 
Plus, what happens when an obscure stock says it traffics in both crypto and AI? It surges 1,000% in two days. But is it a scam? Do you think so? The CEO of Longfin, one of the most controversial stocks in the market right now, defends his business live on air when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin trading just below $19,000 today. But if you thought the Bitcoin boom was impressive, just you wait. A handful of stocks have been skyrocketing by taking advantage of the crypto craze. Breaking it down is a man who's always worth the hype, Dom Chu. Hi, Dom. Don't believe the hype, believe the hype, whatever it is. Those are the questions, Melissa, especially when it comes to stocks tied to the cryptocurrency craze. Now, some of these moves for these stocks are downright crazy. I mean, one example is Longfin, the ticker LFIN. It's a financial technology or fintech company that just went public last week, five bucks a share, making it more on the microcap stock side of things. It was worth an estimated $280 million. In comes, after news on Friday of an acquisition, where it buys a microlender called Zidu, which, guess what, says it's a blockchain company that traffics in cryptocurrencies. And this very small company all of a sudden soars from five bucks at IPO to as high as $142 plus today before coming well off those highs. So how about another one? It's the crypto company, ticker CRCW, which has been traded publicly as a microcap since September 27th. It was $3 and change in terms of a stock. Then it traded around a couple thousand shares or less a day. On December 11th, it got as high as $642 on 5,600 shares of volume, down to $167 the next day, and then back over 500 today on very light volume, making it a multi-billion dollar valuation company. And then there's another microcap company that's become a smallish cap name in the blockchain craze, and that's Riot Blockchain, ticker I-R-I-O-T. It's formerly known as Bioptics, which works in animal science, but it made a small investment in a cryptocurrency trading operation, and that helped rocket its stock higher and is now known as Riot Blockchain blockchain. The point here is that the volatility around crypto has now bled into the stock markets, which is leading to some returns that kind of defy conventional wisdom. Melissa, it's fair to say that one needs to do a lot of research and digging around these stocks before taking perhaps that step into actually trading them. Buyer beware, caveat emptor, back over to you. Yeah, you said it, Dom. Thank you, Dom Chu in the newsroom uh, for us. I feel like adding blockchain to my name and seeing what happens in terms of my popularity, right? I mean, Could, yeah. uh, how much higher can your popularity get? Oh. <laughs> See what I did there? You well, did a very well nice uh, public service. I tried to, and uh, we did on Riot Blockchain, yeah. where they don't really have any experience. Three weeks ago, they were selling metal, medical equipment. Now, all of a sudden, they're a blockchain company. Uh, they paid $12 million for roughly 3 to $4 million worth of mining equipment. Doesn't seem like they're a very good management company, but stock went straight up. So just be careful with these. This is right. very early. In the 90s, people would say, hey, I have a website, and the stock would go up a lot. So just be careful. We've seen this movie before. Uh, Don was talking about a stock whose shares went from $5 to $142. Longfin, the CEO of Longfin, will be joining us in just a few moments. He's actually sitting in a green room right now. There you see him. Yeah. In the meantime, um, let's, let's discuss Longfin in particular. This is an interesting one. It went public here on the NASDAQ last week. Two days later, it buys Zidu.com, a blockchain, which offers a blockchain solution. Let's be accurate in terms of what it says about itself. 
and now it's trading here. Yeah, so listen, you know, this is a really interesting situation. I don't know. I didn't see them ringing the bell on Friday or anything like this. It looks like a backdoor IPO or something like that. I mean, listen, you know, I, I don't exactly. We've been reading about it for the last couple hours about the disclosures. And, you know, to me, I think it does sound a little funny how you do the IPO. Then you make this announcement once there's actually liquidity to drive people into it, you know, related to the blockchain. That seems uh, a little fishy. Let's talk to the CEO about that one. But listen, you know, in these situations, I know what PK was saying, uh, the PSA about Rob. It. At the end of the day, you know, investors actually hold some responsibility for this sort of thing. I think it drives in the wrong sort of investor. When you see a stock moving around like this with no disclosures for all intents and purposes, then, you know, you're in the game, too. So you have people who might be kind of offering out a security because they know it could be gamified. And then you have people who are also manipulating it. What are your questions about about this? Company? Well, you know, and Dom, you brought it up. you got to do your research. And you talk about it, too. I mean, this is something that, you know, everything. And I went through the 90s. I was on the trading floor in the 90s when everything with the dot com was going up. And they didn't even have multiples. A very similar feeling to mm -hmm. what we're seeing right now. And a lot of people didn't want to take the time. They didn't want to do the research. They just said, you know what? Hey, look, we're going to buy these guys because, by the way, they just bought a blockchain company. This is something we got to be involved in. That is so dangerous and so scary. And then when you hear people t wanting to take out loans from their houses to get involved in this whole world, in the Bitcoin world, that's scary stuff. And that's something that none of us, I don't think, would ever condone anything like, like that. But it's amazing how fast, Melissa, people will jump on something. And two days later, the fact that this was announced, that's, that's incredible to watch how fast people say, you know what? Because of that, we're, I'm in. Yeah. Right. Well, let me just it's crazy frenzied speculation on the cryptocurrency announcement, which we never expected. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the CEO that we're going to have on here in a few minutes. So if he didn't expect a move like that, I'm not sure the folks at home should be playing for this move to continue. And obviously, we're going to talk to him about it. But to Pete's point, BK and Dan, I mean, can it continue to go higher? Yeah, but this sure. is deep end of the pool stuff. Folks. But it's not to say that there aren't companies out there with legitimate blockchain Absolutely. solutions and blockchain technologies that will be implemented. But there are all these other companies that may be sort of riding a wa this wave and investors really have to be very, very careful. You have to be very, very by. careful. And you have to look and say, you know, what did this company do before they started this, right? Were they a blockchain company? What is their management experience in this particular area? Or did they just kind of do a blank check type of company? You have to do your research and do not, do not, under any circumstances, take out a mortgage to buy Bitcoin or any of these other things. That is the dumbest idea in the whole world. All right. That's another good piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly there are a lot of questions here on the desk for the CEO. Don't go anywhere. The CEO of Longfin is here, and he will answer these very uh, specific and pointed questions and concerns. That's right after this short break. Don't move. Welcome back to Fast Money. You heard from our traders about the surge in a handful of stocks taking advantage of the crypto craze and just how suspect some of these names might be. The most controversial among them, Longfin. The stock is up 1,300% since its IPO Thursday and sports a $6.5 billion market cap. This after the company said it was buying a blockchain website that, get this, the company's chairman pretty much already owned. The chairman and CEO of Longfin, Venkat Minavali, joined us now. And Venkat, we do give you credit for coming on. We've got some, Good evening. some very pointed Thanks questions for, giving this opportunity. for you. Um, as we had pointed out, your company went public. Two days later, it bought, um, it bought Zidu.com, which says that it offers a blockchain solution. Your market cap skyrocketed. Were you simply taking advantage of the mania for blockchain? No, not at all, madam. You have to understand, you know, we are the first company under Regulation A Jobs Act. 
we did a genuine IPO, and on NASDAQ, I am on the bell floor ringing two, like, you know, two days back, and I did a closing bell on Friday also. We are the first IPO on a fintech company. You have to understand what we do. You know, before you're talking about blockchain, cryptocurrency, it's called disintermediation. Disintermediation is nothing but removing the middleman. As a fintech company, we are there. We are like, I started Stampede Capital in India. That the division of Stampede Capital, we are with a quant team. I'm a, I'm a trader, like I, I'm, I'm a, a technology guy. I worked at Merrill, you know, building the platforms. You know, we, uh, you know, we started this with a team of quants. We are a market maker on SGX. We, are, we did market making on CME, DGCX. You know, we, we, we are like virtue or get course of the world. You know, where AI and machine learning is used. You know, we make, you know, if you look at my recorded volumes with CFTC and uh, uh, MAS and all the things, 60, you know, we did $60 billion of volume, you know, by using machines. What is in disintermediation? You know, what happened, there are two things you have to understand. There is called a Dodd-Frank Act and Paul Walker rule and Basel norms. You know, what we do as FX aging doing solutions, a lot of small importers, exporters used to come to us and say, and they used to buy the FX aging because the banks are ripping. If you walk on the Times Square, you see a bid ask of Australian dollar, 70 and 80, 20%, you know, common man is losing because of the, you know, right. this is what you have to understand, as a fintech company, we started FX, and we started financing the small SMEs. That is our core business. We right. are a profitable business. And let me explain you the blockchain. It is not because this company is owned by me. It is a related party transaction. We disclosed in SEC after I did my IPO, and we filed an 8K saying that we didn't do any financial transaction. It is my company which did a, we acquired the blockchain. What, what is the concept of this company? Any of, I'm fine, you know, according to the Asian, I'm just one, one second, man. I just, according to the Asian Development Bank, $1.6 trillion is the shortage of financing between the SMEs. Banks are not lending. Why? Because You're of the basic You're trying to eliminate loans. the middleman, which is the beauty of blockchain technology. But I want to, I want to go back because when you went public in your S1, uh, we are not as one for your kind of, we are a reggae company. Okay, reggae in, your filing, company. In, your, in your filing to go public, there's not a mention of, yes. of being a blockchain company. That's and right. then two days later, you buy a blockchain company from basically yourself. Meridian Capital is 95% owned See, by you. Know, you. So did you, you must have known that this transaction was going to happen. Why? No, Madam, let, let me tell you, this is uncertain because we closed the IPO and we filed in September 11th. And if you see, four days is the time I had to file to SEC. We filed on September 11th and it was disclosed. And 15th, we disclosed to the market, you know. We followed as a reggae company, you know, we, we followed. And a reggae is different from S1, you have to understand. There are a lot, you know, under Jobs Act, I can talk about the company, I can talk about my future business. You have to understand the reggae appears were started in a different way than an S1 IFS. Don't get confused. You know, there are a lot of relaxations. And I did my job right, you know, because my lawyers, you know, we, we, when, I, when I got confirmation from NASDAQ saying that we are approved, you know, because the only crazy is I never expected. We are not going to make any revenue from that. Next year, we may make 5%. The blockchain, what we are going to use is simple. I am in a financing SMEs. Warehouse receipts in Australia, sorry, in Africa, the people, are struggling to get dollars, you know, because I send dollars, I cannot get back. We, All right. You know. So let me let me ask you about Zidu. Yes. You bought Zidu, right? Yeah. And so, can you tell me how many, how much you, how much transactions you're doing with Zidu right now? See, Zidu is like you know, right now we don't have any revenue. Next year, we will contribute five. But are you? But so uh, in February, 
Zidu was a company that you could buy content from games. No, How much did you at, sell not, on not, that? Not at all, sir. Zidu is a, if last three years, if you last two years, if you look at it, that's my company from last 10 years. Like, you know, Zidu, I won't. Okay. Because you can see my Bitcoin wallet there, and we have a Bitcoin transactions selling to games. How many Bitcoin transactions did you did with the Zidu coin? Uh, more than, even my personally, I own 140 Bitcoin. With the Zidu, with the Zidu so coin? I, I won't personally, because I'm a miner from a long time, you know? So you're saying with the Zidu coin, you've done... Zidu coins, see, I tell you, you have to understand Understand. Zidu coin is I do not, understand. You know, sir, it's not a public coin. You know, we are. Well, you're in, selling it on your website no, no, for 19 no, cents. No, no, you have to understand. That sir. seems public See, to me. No, no, sir. We are not selling. Uh, we are not doing any ICO or anything. It is a. It is. But I can go on your website right now on an unsecured the, website and buy it for 19 cents. No, you can see that pricing is pegged to Ethereum because we are lending it. I'm lending Ethereum to a warehouse receipt and I'm financing. So you're doing that right now. Yes, we are starting that with we the Zidu go, coin. Yes, we are. Okay. You're so, starting it. You're starting it. So what? Exactly Exactly. Did you buy yes, the by buying Zidu you, if there have been no transactions You, know, you have so to understand far. one thing. The banks are not lending. The fintech is nothing but a creation of basal norms. Let me tell you one thing. The creation of basal norms. One, the banks, why are not they lending? Because they have to put 4% reserves for every dollar lending. They are flush. That creates a disintermediation. Why cryptocurrencies are coming? Ethereum, you have to understand that. Because I am using Ethereum to finance 1,000, 2,000. Micro lending is a billions of dollars. I won't enter. And you're using that now, I'm correct? I'm going to enter into micro lending using this coin. That is what we told and what we disclosed. You have to understand I, that. No, no. We, I'm we, not we, going to make any revenue. Because I'm a profitable company, I'm, and we are. So you you paid your company two and a half million shares yes. for Zidu, yes, and you're saying it's not going to make profit? Next year we will make five percent of it. Not this year. This year we are just integrating because I'm. But how many transactions you're doing today with the Zidu? Today we, are, we are just. I'm telling you, it's a research and development company. We just acquired. You know, I'm not saying it's a crazy insane. My. But why would you pay for it? Why not just Hold start on. it up? So why not? It's already developed there. Actually, I want to take it as separate, but anyhow, I became a listed company on NASDAQ, officially doing an IPO. What's wrong in it? Bringing my, my own company and creating the value for my shareholders. Because there's I have, nothing I have, I have a question, though. I mean, you said that you may make, what, how much money next year from it? 5% 5%. of what? See, my revenue... Five, no, 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 please, Madam, please you this is understand. the question. Are you, from Zidu.com, how much money will you make from it next year? $3 million. $3 million. Okay, out of a total revenue base of what? My year, this year, let me For tell you, this, this year, we are going at a 200% growth rate. You have to see my okay. numbers. This year, we are, so, see, six months, we did $28 million. Full year, we will may end up at 65 to $70 million with an 8 to $9 million EBITDA. We are a profitable business company. You have understood, to understand. Understood, understood. And I'm telling you, you, next, we are that, if I grow at a 200% growth rate, going forward, God bless, we, we are confident on my fintech business. I have, a, can I have a very, of my but Bankhead, I have a very simple question for you. At 2.3 million shares, how much was that worth? That was what, 10, 10 15 million dollars? In the meantime, in the meantime, Longfin gained what four billion dollars in market cap. See, is that justified? It's not justified. I'm not saying it's I'm, not justified. It's not justified. It's insane because you see, I'm a profitable, good company. Honestly, I'm there. People are dragging to this. this Market cap is not justified. Because if you look at my revenues, if I look at even, I valued my IPO pricing, look at it. I am a genuinely, I'm telling you, I valued my IPO pricing at what, $5? $5. That $300 million, five times of my revenue. Is it not genuine? What market reacts? Because there is no float. Because we are a profitable company. We did very less float. Somebody shorted, which I have nothing to do with it. And because we have nothing to do with this mania, euphoric mania. What we want to do is, we are, you have to look at my track record, look at the SEC. We are the top 50 uh, uh, in 2016. We are the top 50 market makers like what you in okay. SEC. I understood, as, as understood but, uh, but basically you're saying to us that this market cap that you've 
It's Fine. insane. This it's has insane. nothing to do. It's not a reality. So let's, let's get back to what you're doing right now. Yeah. On your website, you have ZDuCoin at 19 cents, which you're saying that you're using for transactions. I see it flashing all the time. Yes. Right? So there's stuff going on there. Yes. You there is yeah, 19 cents is what, if I, what is happening is, if I lend to a, some, if you have a warehouse receipt, you know, what is yep. happening is, $1,000 I want to lend. I will give you, you take. And that's going on right now. No, we're starting. You know, we are just But then why it. is it on I your website flashing? We have to research. We are Evolving, sir, it's in a prototype. You know, you are, we are in a development stage, and we are testing it. You know, you have to say beta testing. You know, because the guy comes in, I'll give you Jiddu coins, he'll convert into Ethereum, use that money, and again, repay, repay but me back. But you have on there that you can buy the coin. It's not buying the coins that you have to buy the coin to convert into again to Ethereum. You can't use that coin. I'm not listed anywhere. I'm not listing my coin anywhere. You have to but understand. But then why, how do you get you the really, price? The sir, price is something that you sir, make up? The price, we, we pegged it to Ethereum because I pegged it to Ethereum. Oh, somehow. it's pegged to Ethereum. It how did you do that? It's a simple thing. If you have Ethereum price and I peg, because I'm lending it's in not, Ethereum. Why an not? ERC-20 is not pegged to Ethereum. It's just so made why? on Ethereum. Sir, ERC tokens can be pegged. See, why can't you? Now, my price, I can always peg to anything. I can peg. See, pegging is something which, because I want to discover my price because I'm lending you an Ethereum, because I can't lend Ethereum because I give you Jiddu coins because I want you to be registered with me, and you take the Jiddu coins, convert that into Ethereum, use that microfinancing. Micro lending is a trillion dollars. You know, sir, shadow banking is $72 trillion. I'm so, a shadow banking guy. You know, I'm virtually a shadow banking guy. This is a big industry, you have to understand. Cryptocurrencies are going to play a bigger role in micro oh, lending. We we all we are believers here on the show in general about what cryptocurrency, what blockchain. But my, technology my company can don't do. deserve this market cap. We, I'm telling you, we don't deserve this market cap. I tell this this is not because this is if you could mania. sell your own stock, would you sell your own stock? Have you sold your own stock in any way? No, no, because I my see because my I own 55 percent of the company and my Indian company owns 37 percent. Together, 92 percent is restricted stock and we don't touch that stock. And you cannot so sell. I cannot sell, and I'm not interested too because you know I'm a profitable company. You know I, I raise a little float because I'm a profitable company. Nasdaq, all I need is $6 million to get into Nasdaq. It almost I did sounds that like you're giving the short sellers the green light. Because you're basically saying you you don't deserve this market cap. I don't deserve it, but see, because insane market cap, you know, because I'm telling you, because it's how can a company see I when I priced my IPO at $350 million. Why this $5 trillion, unnecessary $5 billion? Why not? I'm, one thing, I, we are a growing company. We'll grow because my market is a shadow banking market. It's a 72, nobody in this CNBC has covered ever, any time over shadow banking, $72 trillion. Is there a time frame where you would be able to sell shares? No, not at all, sir. No. I, can, I can promise you the next three years I can lock my shares also. I'm not at all interested to sell this because I am a believer in my company. I'm a profitable company. Venkat, we appreciate your time and your honesty. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for joining you, us. Thank you, Thanks a lot for giving me a chance. Thanks, Pete. Venkat Minavali. Uh, let's trade this. Well, it's not his fault that the stock... No, it's the, mar the market What I mean, The market brings. The to $143 today, closed at $72.50. As I said earlier before he got here, he said it's unjustified. I mean, I'm paraphrasing now, and I think he's trying to explain himself. I can't speak intelligently about the $72 trillion shadow banking industry and whether or not Longfin belongs in it or has a place in it. But I think it's safe to say that the move we saw today was exaggerated, and, it, and we should sort of gravitate, if I may use that word, back down to levels that are more reasonable. So here, here's what I say, is that, yes, the, the valuation is unjustified. The CEO certainly said that. But be careful with it. The Zidu coin on the website shows that you can buy it for 20 cents. It has not traded anywhere. There have been 30 transactions on that coin. You can see it on the blockchain. 99% of the coins are owned by one account. So not only that, if you log on to their website, it's not secured. It doesn't have an SSL certificate. So if you put your password in, 
anybody can take it. Those are red flags. When somebody pays that much for something that does not really exist and doesn't function, that's a red flag. So just be careful. Still ahead, a power fail at Atlanta's airport leaving thousands of passengers stranded just a week before Christmas. Will this put a damper on the surging airline stocks? We'll explain. Plus, forget Bitcoin. BK's got his eyes on another surging cryptocurrency that he says is on the verge of a big breakout. Find out what that is when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. A power outage at the Atlanta airport leaving thousands of passengers stranded during one of the busiest times of the year for travel. NBC's Kerry Sanders is in Atlanta with the very latest. Hi, Kerry. Well, hi. I was just listening to your last lively segment. So if the Atlanta airport were a cryptocurrency, then what we had here was a power outage and the whole blockchain collapsed. Does that work for you? Because the airport really came to a grinding halt here. And we understand now the reason why this happened. It was down inside one of the tunnels here. One of the main power lines, a switch there that Georgia Power is responsible for, caught fire. And when that fire actually began to burn upwards, it went through seven lines. Well, those several of those lines were the main lines, but on top of those main lines were the backup redundant lines. And so it burned straight through. Questions now about whether there might have been a design flaw having all of that centered in one location. But for passengers, it's been a really rough two days. The fire started around 1238 yesterday. By 1 o'clock, the airport was shut down for more than 10 hours. 1,400 flights yesterday and today canceled, meaning that lots of passengers had to try to rebook. 300 of those plus passenger or 300 of those plus flights today were canceled outright. So you have people who will be spending yet another night here. The bottom line is, though, that by Christmas, they believe they should have everybody out of here. And one of your questions at the top here was whether this is going to impact Delta's operation. Understand, this was not a Delta problem. This was an Atlanta airport problem. Delta is just the biggest tenant here. They fly about 80% of the passengers here. So Delta has been having to deal with this. And one thing they did do is yesterday and today, they uh, organized with the airport, with Chick-fil-A to hand out Chick-fil-A sandwiches, if nothing else, to calm people down who are hungry. Melissa? You know, give me a waffle fry and I'm all right. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Carrie <laughs> Sanders. I bet that was the first time Carrie ever said blockchain yeah. during a live It was well shot. done. It was a great Very well, That's why he's one of the best. Power snafu aside, travel stocks have been on fire this year. Check out Marriott and Hilton, both up more than 30%. Cruise liners, Royal Caribbean, Carnival have sailed to new highs, and airlines like Southwest and Delta are each up 25% or more. So should you bet on an even bigger holiday travel surge, Pete? You know, I continue to like the airlines. I have for a long time, but I, I say that, and I don't own any of them at this point in time. I've sold them. Matter of fact, I just really? got on a JetBlue the other day. They've made a great run. I mean, these have had a great run to the upside, and you're just waiting for the next shoe to drop, so to speak. And this might have been one of those shoes. If you get into the holidays, any more snowstorms, any ice storms, any of those kinds of things, if it's on the East Coast, that chain, that blockchain, actually goes from here <laughs> all the way to the West Coast, and that does end up being a problem. So I'm good not owning any of the airlines right now. All right, still ahead, our very own crypto baller BK, Brian Kelly here, just bought another digital currency that he says is about to launch into uncharted territory. He'll tell us what it is. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Drumroll, please. Time to reveal which surging cryptocurrency BK just added to his crypto portfolio. So what is it, BK? It's Litecoin. Many of you have heard about this one. You can see it on Coinbase. But a pretty popular coin these days. And let me tell you why I bought it here. There's three reasons why. 
First of all, it has a technical lead over Bitcoin, and that's not a knock on Bitcoin, but Charlie Lee, the creator of Litecoin, has been out there and has been ahead of the curve on a lot of the additions and upgrades to the network. And Litecoin has been able to add a lot of stuff that Bitcoin has not yet. Number two, you get very fast confirmation times. It's faster than Bitcoin. People start to use it for a global ARB. You can move it around the world very quickly. And then, number three, it's now accepted at Steam. Remember, some of you know, Guy probably knows best, that Steam is one of these online gaming communities that you used to be able to accept Bitcoin at. But it was too slow. Now you can accept it at Steam. So, let's go to the chart, and how do you trade this? Let's go to the next, the other chart, and how do we trade that? So what you're going to see, is you're going to see, here's Litecoin, right? Had this massive rip, and you're going to go, BK, that's crazy. Why would you buy anything? You want to buy for the breakout here? Trading at about 300, I think it goes to 500. That's the trade. Wow, Dan. Speaks, we talk to you all the time, but for the benefit of the viewers here, um, you know, when you're talking about this, is it a trade or are you actually investing in this technology, the underlying technology, the underlying use cases, or is it a trade for our viewers? Uh, I think it can be both. I think in this particular case, if you're buying it at 300, probably best to be a trade just on the risk reward wide. But the underlying technologies, Litecoin could be one of those foundational cryptocurrencies that's going to be around five and 10 years from now. All right. Thanks for that, Beaks. Litecoin bug, by the way, in the corner of your screen. Up next, final <laughs> trades. <laughs> Time for the final trade. Uh, Ashley Longfin uh, down by 25%. It had been down by as much as 36% or so in the after-hour session. Of course, we talked to the CEO of Longfin just moments ago, and he himself called the huge pop that the stock saw after it bought this blockchain technology company, Zidu.com, um, it's skyrocketed by well, 2000 And I think that's the point. You can, you can form your own opinions about it, but even the CEO said that this was kind of crazy move. So, you know, take that for exactly what it is. The CEO saying it's not worth this. Yep. Time for the final trade. Pete. CEO called it not justified. Letter X, yeah. U.S. deal going higher. Big not call by him. Justified. Beaks. Well, if you want to name the dabbling in the cryptocurrency world but has a yield and is a real company, mm -hmm. CME, that's mm -hmm. the one you buy. Uh, yeah, Finisar was up 30% on that Apple deal last week. It's filled in a bunch of that gap. I'm starting to buy it here. Big lots it traded up to 60, pulled back to 55 on valuation. I think it's cheap. One of the retailers, I think, will continue to go higher, Mel. All right. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.